Welcome to Coding Solo. I'm Alex Bilby. And I'm David Thorpe. Coding Solo is a podcast about freelancing in the UK, and this is episode six. We've both been insanely busy with client work lately, so we've not recorded in a while, but we're back to talk about yet another one of my holidays, how we evaluate crazy ideas we come up with as potential side projects, and our future business plans. So let's get started. David, it's been a while. How are you? Been ages, mate. I'm I'm really good, mate. And it's good to hear your dulcet tones again. <laughs> and yours too. What are you drinking tonight? Um, I am drinking some of Tesco's finest vintage Robinson's fruit and barley. Nice. Nice. Yes. No alcohol tonight. No gin. No. Um, as I told you just now, and I will inform the listeners, I have hand, foot and mouth disease, uh, which is awesome. And it's not... Uh, uh, like I said, I'm not going to be taken out into a field and incinerated like a cow with uh, foot and mouth disease. It's it's very different. Basically, just my hands, my feet, and my mouth are full of really, really painful spots, and they'll go after seven days. So that is a lovely image if you're eating um, at any point. Now, the the difference is, Alex, is that I I naturally have quite bad acne anyway. So there's really not much of a difference if you don't look at my hands and feet anyway. So. <laughs> oh man, I hope it clears up soon. So talking of foot and mouth, I was listening to a podcast called Ungenius earlier, which is from the Relio FM network, and I highly recommend you have a listen to it. Um, episode 37, they were talking about small animal racing. And apparently during the foot and mouth epidemic, which I can just about remember, uh, which, what was that, about 10, 15 years ago? I only vaguely remember it. Yeah, it was a while back. Yeah. Anyway, the... Um, uh, they were they mentioned in it that during the foot and mouth epidemic, um, because there was no horse racing or limited horse racing during the time, betting companies had to come up with other forms of animal racing. So apparently, during a brief period of time, hamster racing was quite big in the UK. <laughs> what? No, who does that? How do you raise a hamster for racing? I I've no idea. Be one oh. lean hamster. Here we are. So I just found the Wikipedia article. So um, in the UK, hamster racing began to grow in popularity after the 2001 foot and mouth disease epidemic, which cancelled many regular horse racing and other sporting events. Professional hamster racing was introduced and promoted and the online bookmaker Blue Square organised the first ever hamster racing series. There were a series of qualifying rounds throughout the week and a final race. The main event was broadcast via web <laughs> via webcast live and other media outlets like BBC <laughs> London and Sky News, including a full page article in the big British newspaper publications The Sun and the Daily Mail. Brilliant! I'd love to. Oh man, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to dig up them headlines somewhere. Yeah, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. But anyway, um, cool. Mm. So you're on Robinson's. Fruit and uh, fruit juice. Yeah. I'm on. Um, I'm on the last of my of last year's uh, Dalwhinnie Winter Gold whiskey. Do you recommend it? Um, yeah, it's all right actually. It was. Uh, I got it quite cheaply at the beginning of the year after the Christmas splurge. It was one of the ones that. It was one of those whiskies that the uh, distilleries put out as a Christmas special. So it's not got a year on it or anything, but um, it's quite nice actually. Apparently, you can put it in the freezer. Um, Why would you do that? Or, I don't know, but this whiskey apparently tastes really good if you put it in the freezer and drink it straight from the freezer, which you wouldn't necessarily normally do with a whiskey. You'd drink it at room temperature or or room temperature with some, you know, a big ice cube thrown in it. But anyway, um, I'll have to try that at some point. I just, yeah. Whiskey is so suave. Like anyone that drinks whiskey is like, I'm a real man. Whereas like (laughs) I drink gin and tonic. It's mother's ruin. It's like a girl's drink, isn't it? (laughs) No, I love gin and tonic too. I just really like whiskey as well. I've got... 
I've got about 20 whiskies on the shelf behind me. But do you find that there's more, there's a better choice of whiskey when you go to bars than there is gin? Yeah, but I'd probably never buy whiskey at a bar because whereas a gin and tonic you'd probably get for, let's say, £6, you'd, pay, you'd be paying £9 just for 25 mils of whiskey. Do you whiskey. really? Fucking hell. Yeah, so the, in fact, the cheapest whiskey I've had at a bar was um, in a little dodgy place we found in Tokyo. Um, and I love Japanese whiskey and this place was selling really good Japanese whiskey, some of which you can't, or I've never, I'd never seen for sale here in the UK mm. for about two pounds, a two pounds a shot, which is really good. So I had a great night. Wow. Two pounds a shot. Japan's, Japan's uh, an interesting place though. And my cousin went there recently and, uh, well, I, I have a friend who's a freelancer that moved out there and they do sort of super Mario racing in go-karts out there. It's uh yeah. So, um, where did you go on your tour around the fantastic region of the world? Uh, so we had two weeks. Um, we started off in Hong Kong for uh, four days. Nice. Um, did you see the Bruce Lee statue? No, we didn't. It was um, that area. That whole area was closed off when we went there. Oh. Um, but I swear, everywhere there was Bruce Lee t-shirts for sale. <laughs> oh man! Um, Hong Kong. So we stayed on Hong Kong Island. Um, so you got, so Hong Kong, I didn't realize, I thought it was just the island, but there's also a little bit of mainland as well. Um, but anyway, we stayed in the island, uh, the, sorry, the island, the island, um, which is beautiful. It's, it's really tropical. It's kind of what I imagined Tracy Island to be like. And we didn't realize how hilly it was either. Right. Um, anyway, it's beautiful to go to. You couldn't probably spend more than a day there because I swear, I kid you not, every single shop was like a high-end fashion retailer. Really? If if Bond Street or Regent Street was an island, that would be Hong Kong Island. What, is it expensive uh, like that as well? Oh, oh, God, yeah. Um, so, so the Hong Kong dollar, you basically divide it by 10 and to, to convert it to pound sterling. And the prices were... We're, we're really not that much different from London pricing. Although we did one, uh, one day when we were exploring the mainland, we went to what looked like a, a fruit market. Right. Anyway, um, every, every item of fruit on every stall um, was really polished and it looked really nice and really tasty. Anyway, we, we tried to buy a punnet of grapes and it said $180 um, as the price along with some, Chinese characters, which obviously we couldn't read. Um, and we thought, okay, well, that's going to be 18 pounds per kilo or something. No, it was 18 pounds a punnet of grapes. Fucking hell, why? Yeah. <clears throat> so, well, so what, what it turns out is that this market is well known as like um, a market where you go and buy gifts for people because in Asian culture, it's, it's quite common to give gifts for people. Um, and it just happened to be that this fruit market is really well known for very, very expensive fruit. So a punnet <laughs> of grapes would be 18 pounds, five really good looking apples was 12 pounds, I think. Um, and I tell honestly, this, this fruit looked beautiful, but, um, there's probably some poor guy buffing it up with a black and decker sander around the back or something, <laughs> putting a bit of tea cut on it to smooth out the fucking apple. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, yeah. Anyway, it, it was, it was expensive, really expensive. Um, but we saw some beautiful sights. Um, one day we got this, uh, I don't think it's the world's longest cable car, but it was a 25 minute cable car ride over the sea and then up and over a mountain um, to go to this old like village that um, has got a big Buddha statue built up into the mountain, um, which is really pretty. 
Um, and then we got, so we got like a boat tour around um, like some fishing villages that are actually built on the water. Right. Uh, so that was really nice. And then um, from there, we flew to Hanoi in Vietnam, um, which was mental. The, so Hanoi, the population is about 8 million people and there's 5 million motorbikes. <laughs> and you, there, were, there were almost no traffic lights. And you basically, I'm not a religious man, but I was, you know, I was, crossing my heart you know doing the sign of the cross as I crossed the road because um oh you basically put their life uh, your life into their hands and you just cross the road and hope that nothing hits you that's mad isn't um, it? you it, but basically the advice we got was you, you step out into the road and don't stop you keep moving at slow pace don't ever step back try and look the drivers in the eyes but be predictable was, it, type thing yeah yeah basically but i kid you not it's the most insane thing i've ever seen in my life um but hanoi is really beautiful and there's some there's some really interesting history there to do with you know the, the vietnamese war and such and mm-hmm. um and then on our final evening there there was actually um because it was a weekend they they it turns out they close quite a few of the major roads to all motorbikes and to all traffic full stop. Right. So it was all pedestrianised and we actually had a lovely evening. Um, you can walk around, take your time and see stuff. Yeah. And it was also the, the only day um, that we could actually see the sky because, because of the climate, because it's so humid there. And also you've got all the pollution from the motorbikes. Um, you can't really see the sky. It's just constantly misty. Right. But that, that last day, there was no motorbikes and you could see the sky and the sun was shining. It was beautiful. So we had a really nice day there. And then we, uh, the following day, we flew from Hanoi down to Ho Chi Minh City, or Saigon, as it used to be called. Um, and yeah, we had a, about another six days in Saigon, okay, um, which is completely different. It's it's a much more modern city um, because before the Vietnamese War, it's where Vietnam had all its international links um, to the rest of the world. So there's skyscrapers there and rooftop bars and things. It's, it, it was really quite nice, although it didn't really have the same like soul and character as Hanoi did. Because mm-hmm. um, Hanoi, you had like lots of like little old ladies cooking cooking food on the side of the road and people just stopping and sitting on tiny, really little plastic chairs. It felt more eating. traditional. Yeah, yeah, very traditional, and very, but also quite poor as well. Right. Whereas Ho Chi Minh there was none of that no no one was cooking food on the sides of the streets no one doing haircuts on the sides of the streets things like that there were loads and loads of hotels a lot more backpackers as well um but there was a we got to go to the 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 vietnamese um sorry the uh vietnamese oh sorry the vietnam war um remnants museum which was fascinating very very one-sided because it's a communist country so a lot of anti-americans yeah, yeah, it's one of four one-party state countries still. Does it work for them? Um, the people were free to an extent, I'd say. Right. Um, they're, they're, like, there's a little bit of internet censorship. I couldn't get on BBC or some other like like Western news sites at all. Mm-hmm. But um, or I could sporadically. But um, I'd say the people were free and they were happy and they had money and such. But you could there, there there was an awful lot of police around and people in military uniforms and oh really um, yeah it was very noticeable but also at the museums and some of the tours we had um, uh, you get you get a very one sided um, view of view of history okay. it was very it was very much a case of you know the victors write the history so yeah <laughs> that's, the that's South an age old lesson that isn't it 
Yeah, exactly. So a lot of anti-American sentiment um, there, which to some extent is understandable because when we went into, when we went into the museum, there was um, a band playing um, in in the entrance to the museum and they were third generation or fourth generation orange agent victims and the keyboard player, uh, sorry, and all, all the members of this band had been, um, had some sort of uh, disfigurement, but the keyboard player, who was an amazing keyboard player, he he had no eyes at all. It, the skin had just completely grown over the eye sockets. Wow! So, to put it bluntly, he looked like a mutant. Yeah. But he, you know, it clearly hadn't stopped him, you know, having to some extent a normal life. It was just quite shocking to see. Yeah. Well, when you're um, confronted with the reality of it, I, I can't imagine. But then, on the other hand, when we went to the Coochie Tunnels. Um, where the Viet Cong were, you know, living underground and such. There was a lot of stories from the tour guides about how individual villagers killed thousands of American GIs. And it was very, um, if you imagine going to like the battlefields in in France and Belgium and being shown around by a German tour guide, let's say, and rather than getting a factual account of what happened, you were getting a, a patriotic like, one. A patriotic, almost like pride. Yeah. Um, it was it was quite it was quite surreal, and yeah, and it, obviously we were on a tour guy. We were on a tour with lots of other Westerners and some people who just arrived in the country and hadn't you know ex- hadn't realised you know to the extent that they uh, you get this one sided account of history, whereas others who were uh, you know a couple of America uh, a couple of like Canadians and Australians who had their own thoughts and opinions which they privately shared amongst us. <laughs> uh, anyway, fa- fascinating country. Probably wouldn't go back, but fascinating country. Yeah, really good trip though. Oh well, no, mate. It's, uh, I know you were working super hard before that, weren't you, to help a client get to uh, get to where they needed to be? So I bet it was quite a rewarding break. Yeah, I pulled some crazy hours um, that week before, but um, yeah, it was good to finish about four o'clock on the Friday and then just go straight to the airport. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, man. I bet that's nice. Just think. Yeah. Right, that's it. I'm done. So how, so how have you been then? Yeah, I've been good. I've been um, getting some commissions coming for the video stuff, which is good. Uh, we'll chat about that in a bit. Um, we, but yeah, all positive there. I've got my branding coming through this week for that, which is nice. Uh, the dog's getting bigger and so are her poos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the kids are getting bigger. Yeah, no, everything's pretty pretty on track, to be honest with you. Um, work-wise, everything's kind of steady now. And that's probably part and parcel of why we had such a big break, because... I was under such an immense amount of pressure. I thought I was going to break at one point, and I, I was, I, I kept saying to Alex, "I'm really sorry, mate. I can't do this week. I can't do this week." Blah blah blah. Uh, eventually, I just had to tell my current contract client that you know I've got to take a week off and get through this because it was stressing me out so much. Um, but everything's clear now, and God, what a sense of relief! Did I tell you about my little cash windfall? You mentioned it. So, from what I remember, you were you were a bit stressed because. You, your accountant wasn't sure if you'd taken, perhaps taken a little too much out of your company. Yeah, but. yeah, that was it. Yeah, so the last few episodes, I've been, you've probably heard me saying, oh, I'm not allowed to spend money because the accountant says I can't spend any money until my year end. So year end was just gone, end of September. Um, and when I called the accountant up, he said, I'm just looking through your books. Uh, have you pulled any dividends out since your year end? And I said, no. And he said, okay, so are you looking for some money? And I said, well, I will need to pull out a dividend at some point. And he said, all right, um, I've got some money in your director's loan account. Now I've gone through your books. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. how much? What, like a grand, two grand? And he went, no, you fucking muppet. And he actually used that word. 
because he's funny. He went, no, I've got 20 grand in there. And I was like, what? He said, yeah, yeah, 20 grand in there. And I said, but Shaf, I said, you you told me that I've got to be careful, blah, blah, blah. And he went, yeah, but I hadn't actually checked your book. He said, I've done this based on your expenses on the year previous where you were spending. So basically the, the financial year before the one that's just gone, I'd actually subcontracted a lot of workouts. So my actual expense cost was higher. So he'd made the assumption because I'd, I'd not been with him for previous years to that. He'd made the assumption that they were my rough, roughly the similar ongoing costs. So I'd actually spent an extra 20 grand the previous financial year on um, subcontractors, which obviously I didn't this financial year. So he's sitting there thinking, how can you know he's going to be close to the line? And so am I. And then when he goes through my books, I got to So that 20 grand has made such a nice difference for me because A, I'd written it off as if I wouldn't have anything like that sort of money. And B, have I been able to pull 20 grand out of the company and pay off every personal debt that I ever had and set aside loads of money for all my personal taxes and stuff. So we're in such a... And like like I said, mortgage has dropped from 1,100 down to 700 quid. So right now, I just this massive wave and sense of relief that I don't have to pull as much work in and constantly work to the button. Um, that I can take my foot off the pedal a little bit if I need to. I haven't, but it's just that, you know, that psychological thing where you don't have to worry. It sounds great. I, I've, I am, um, <laughs> when I was jet lagged, uh, one day when we got there, Ash had fallen asleep and I was sat, um, like, let's say like four or 5am, uh, Viet- Vietnam time or Hong Kong time. I can't remember which one it was, but, um, anyway, I sat and cleared all my money. I paid my year end. I paid my self-assessment and I, I moved all of my money that I've been saving up in various pots for my mortgage deposit into one place. And so I too am in the best financial position I've been in a long time as well. Oh, isn't it a good fit? I, I'm sorry for anyone that might be struggling because you're probably right now thinking that we're a bunch of knobs. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I've got, no, I've got nothing else to say to you there apart from there's no, keep at it. There's, there's nothing worse than uh, stressing about money because it's such a stupid thing in yeah. hindsight to worry about. It really is because, like, you know, you're. I'm sure that anyone that's stressing about money is doing their best to rectify it anyway, because you know, if they if they weren't, they wouldn't be stressing about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I was really stressing about it for a while, and then I just resigned myself to the fact that well, I'm just gonna have to work my fucking nuts off for another year. Uh, but fortunately, that that's not the case. But so your um your mortgage account, it, what are you saying that you're gonna do it? You're gonna go go for it now? So. We have got a break clause in our rent, uh, in our in our rent contract or rental contract. Mm. Um, that means from April next year we can break the contract. So we've seen one place nearby that looks, I think, actually too small for us. But we've both agreed that from January we're going to start formally looking. Okay, because we we we're, we're kind of in a position where we could just about. Well, no, we, we we have got more than a 10% deposit at this point. I, ideally, I'd personally like to get to about a 15%, 20% deposit. But we're um we're at the point now where we could, if if the right thing came up. Yeah, but um, that, like, all right, yeah. So if you've got something with your deposit at the minute, what would with what would your rough mortgage payments be? And it, well, basically, is that more or less than your current rent? So our rent has just gone up to 1500 a month. Fuck, man. So it's a hundred pounds more than it was for the last uh, year, but they or year or two years even. But um, yeah, so basically we're looking at 
1200 pounds or less yeah so that, like, that, that, it's, it makes sense to move as soon as you can right then because then you can save more to, so that you can then put more yeah exactly to, put, to pay off the mortgage so I think the other thing is that we, we I think we're both coming to the the realization that whatever we buy first might not necessarily be like the long term place, mm. but I think it's I, I think it's um we're getting to the point where yeah fifteen hundred pounds just looks crazy because we, we visited some friends who've just moved into a beautiful place in Seven Oaks okay yes yeah, um, in Kent yeah and they're paying twelve hundred and it's beautiful this place they're paying what three hundred pounds less than us now they've got a bigger property. Um, in a really expensive part of Kent, and yeah, ours ours is looking less and less like a like the the dreamy place it was two years ago when we moved in. Yeah, well, no, and don't like I don't know. Our first house was was kind of terrible, <laughs> um, but it was like not only the fact that hey, it was a bad area, but we we could only afford a certain amount. But like once you're on that ladder, it makes things so much easier, mate. And uh, also, we were f- so bad at interior decoration back then. And we didn't realise until we moved into the new place and done it up actually nice. So you never, <laughs> never know. You might move in and go, what the fuck were we thinking with our current decor? I, th- I think the one thing I'm kind of... The, the only reason why I'd really definitely hold out is if there was any sort of nod in the in the budget in a few weeks to, um, that there might be a reduction in stamp duty. Yeah. Because obviously that's the one big kicker because, you know, you've saved however many thousands of pounds for a deposit and then you get whacked with a 10, 15, whatever thousand pounds worth of stamp duty. So we, we bought when um, our initial house, when there was stamp duty exempt for first time buyers. And I think that should be the case. So still, because like, it's just another fee that first time buyers got to find. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens. It's what, two weeks away to the budget. So we'll see. I'm not, I'm not, holding out for it but if that that'll be the sort of thing that would definitely make me you know start setting up right move property alerts mm. um from january onwards because that, that that would make a huge difference um so expensive because because obviously we're still yet to have the the conversation like the, the full-on conversation with our parents about you know might they be able to help us um yeah because because the, 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 the i think the other problem we've both had with individual conversations we've had with our parents is they obviously bought their houses 30 years ago. Right. You know, when houses were, I think my parents bought theirs for like, say 40,000 and it's a, and it's now a six bedroom house. And they probably bought on, it at 110% mortgage as well. Yeah. Something, something crazy like that. So, and, and Ash's parents, I know they bought theirs what, 30, 40 years ago as well. So it's that realisation of, you know, houses aren't as cheap as they once were. And obviously here in London, where I think we both agreed it's where we want to stay, um, it's going to be an even bigger hit. But hey, we'll, co- we'll come to that at uh, some point in the future. But what I have done is um, spoken to a mortgage advisor um, because Crunch, who are my accountants, have now started doing... Uh, mortgages, or they've started, they've set up like a, a broker um, who specialise in mortgages for contractors and for freelancers. Nice. So I spoke to one of their advisors a couple of weeks ago and asked them exactly what um, I need to do because I'd heard a lot of conflicting things from friends who are contractors um, who've all got their own houses and such. And but anyway, what Crunch? This guy I spoke to, this really nice guy I spoke to, Crunch. Uh, Crunch's mortgage department basically said is that if 
uh, I'm contracting when it comes to getting a mortgage. Um, because Ash is PAYE, um, his is fairly simple. But for me, if I'm still contracting, all they need is evidence that I've got a, uh, a contract which has got a realistic prospect of being renewed and they multiply the weekly rate by 48 <laughs> and that's this that's the assumed salary and they reckon they can get a mortgage for you in a couple of days wow um and it's i think it was 300 pounds one-off fee that's for brilliant. their services um which is only payable on completion that's great that's so good so yeah so so he, he did say if you're not contracting and you're um you're making your income you know, in, in non-contracting ways, I think it was, they wanted three months of your personal books and three months of your business books. Right. Which, which doesn't sound too egregious to me. So. No, I, um, I think it's reasonable, isn't it? Yeah. So having spoken to a mortgage advisor, especially, you know, who knows what they're on about for contractors or for people in my position, um, and also knowing that we've, you know, we've reached our ten percent saving goal now, um, and also that we're we're free to actually potentially leave this place and break our contract here, um, some point mid next year. Um, yeah, it, it feels like it's all coming together for the first time. Well, congratulations, mate! Big uh, big moment. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, we'll keep you updated uh, on the podcasts, and because actually, I'd love to. Um, I don't like in an ideal world we'll get uh, one of these mortgage advisors on who can uh, give a bit more generic advice but um, we'll have to see about that but yeah I'll definitely if, if, if we do start to seriously pursue it beginning of next year we'll definitely um, talk about it as we go through yeah, I'd be, the process. yeah I think it'd be really helpful for, for listeners that are considering getting a mortgage and are in that well the same game as us basically It'll give them a realistic idea of what happens and what can go wrong and all that sort of thing but uh, no, it's that Crunch have got it now, didn't they? Yeah, they. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm still really pleased. So it's been what about a year and a half now, um, and they've unveiled a new brand, which I think looks hideous. It's all pink and white. Can't um, be as bad as the Dropbox brand. No, it's not as bad as the Dropbox brand. I can't believe but, that. Um, that's, by the way, I can't believe that's still okay. Like, like no one's sort of bringing them out on that and saying what the fuck. It, 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 so to me, it reminded me of the Spotify rebrand, it? and, it, and actually, it actually, it turned out that it was the same design agency. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, Crunch. Uh, yeah, I'm still really happy with Crunch, and yeah, it, it, the fact that they they now offer mortgages as well or mortgage advice. That's what I mean. They've got um, the finance, the financial bit for freelancers nailed, really, haven't they? In a sense, like they, they do all the bookkeeping, everything. You don't have to worry about that. And then that other only other worry, like that we've brought up regularly is well how do mortgages work if you're a contractor and then bang they've got a product for it yeah so ne next step is pensions so ah, <laughs> yes i wonder what we'll which see it, which is uh hopefully a topic that we can talk about next week yes yes i'd be interested in talking about that actually because i my pension is non-existent right now so uh yeah <laughs> something we need to talk about for sure yeah my pension is non-existent as well and it's becoming something that uh I'm increasingly more and more conscious about. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm getting yeah, a bit anxious but, about it. But I, I was thinking that I might buy a property to rent out, but that goes against my. I don't know. I don't like the idea of it, and I'm not sure how long we'll be able to get away with doing things like that in in the current state of things. Um. So 
Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, one of the sections on our show notes is um, how to evaluate ideas and determine whether or not they're worth pursuing. Uh, what was your thoughts behind this, Alex? So I popped it into the show notes because I find when I'm on holiday, especially, I, I, I start to, I think my brain goes into a little bit of overdrive because I'm no longer thinking about like clients work. I start thinking about what I could potentially do as like little side projects. Yeah. And anyway, I had about two or three app ideas okay. uh, whilst I was in, whilst I was traveling in Asia and I filtered out two of them because I thought, well, you know, actually they're not that interesting, but, um, the next one. So the, basically the idea I had that I think is worth pursuing is, um, I like to download Wikipedia articles or read Wikipedia articles when I'm in foreign countries and like, we, you know, you're at a museum or you're at a particular monument or castle or whatever. Um, I like to read the Wikipedia as I go around. Right. What, um, what about that place that you're in? Yeah. So there's, there are some apps out there that, um, you can download a Wikipedia article, but ideally what you want what, or what I want is an app that will, or a service that will, given any Wikipedia article, it will actually download all of the linked articles and then protect potentially all of those linked articles. So that let's say you were reading, let's say I was in um, Ho Chi Minh City. Well, Ho Chi Minh City is named after Ho Chi Minh. So I want to be able to click on the link that says Ho Chi Minh and then from Ho Chi Minh, I can go into Viet Cong. So you're saying like in an offline sense so that you don't have to be online. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I had looked, look through the app store and I couldn't find anything like it. And then I've been playing around with some ideas since I got back. Um, and yeah, it, it, the Wikipedia API is fairly terrible, but uh, I've got, a li- <laughs> I've got a really, I've got a really basic version of it working okay. as like an API. So but the, the other ideas I had, uh, if I can remember them now, I kind of, uh, I have a good idea and I think uh, I mull it over and Ash gets annoyed with me because I stopped talking to him <laughs> um, because I just become, a, you know, absorbed in whatever I'm thinking about. But yeah, I seem to, I, I go through fits and spurts of having ideas for things that would make my life better. Yeah. seemingly all the time or businesses I could set up and what have you. And I think this kind of goes back to the topic we had a few episodes back about buying domains for ideas. <laughs> Mate, I bought, I bought one 10 minutes before we started recording. <laughs> but no, it's, I'm the same. And then like I have that sudden realisation, oh, this will actually be quite a bit of hard work. I'm, I'm not going to do this. But having just, having just spent $15 on a domain. Yeah, I'll just let that go. Because <laughs> I justify it by saying, well, you know, if I spent only two hours of my time, you know, that's still more than the domain cost, really, if I was in contract. <laughs> But yeah, anyway, I was just wondering what what how often do you have these ideas and what 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 do you go through in your head to determine whether or not or what, like, what's the process of filtering these ideas out or or pursuing them for you? I I've always got I'm one of these people that I love I'm always got these creative ideas in my head, but I'm also one of these people that I'm not very good at executing on them. Um like we, yeah, we've discussed this before like why and stuff, but um I don't know. So I think for me the ideas that make it through are always the ones that are really actually genuinely useful to me and will save me time. Um, so like, okay, here's an example. Because I don't typically work in a normal contracting environment, I'm more freelance kind of the way that I work with things. Uh, in order for me to work with clients, it tends to be me that has to draw up the contract. Now, 
I've got what's called a master services template for the way that I work with my clients. So what that means is when I get a client on board, I will show them a master services contract. It has about eight pages and it defines the working relationship between me and the client. And it doesn't, it doesn't mention any particular project or whatever. Um, but it does mention that, you know, if a project does take place, these are the payment terms that you have to follow. And if you don't, there'll be a cost of something percent interest per day if you don't blah 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 blah. so everything is outlined in that um so i can actually get a client to sign that without me without them actually committing to any work it just basically says you know if you do come to me for work these are the rules um so that was all well and good that was a very manual process for me initially because typically with development we take on big projects uh we only have a handful of clients at a time uh, and that's fine but with the introduction of my video company i'm going to be doing a lot more much smaller projects where there'll be kind of like a potentially i'm hoping new clients every week or every two weeks um and they're not going to be big projects they'll be like a grand up to three grand type things so i i was thinking i don't want to have to go through and like manually check all these documents and make sure everything's there so i thought i'll i'll build i spent half a day three quarters of a day building out like a automated contract generator that spits out html and i can change the brand from carve to my video company's brand and it all automatically generates everything and chucks it out into a pdf for me with my signature and everything so they're the sort of ideas that i I don't know. I think I guess these are different because my ideas that I do that actually tend to go through are the things that I can automate my life internally. It's not necessarily something I'd really ever show the public. And the only diff the only one that I have there is Estimator because I thought, well, other people might really have a use for that. But I don't think ever other people would have a use for an automated master services contract agreement generator. It's a bit niche. <laughs> Um, so I don't know, mate. No, fair enough. I, I, so I, I guess ultimately I was just wondering, you know, am I, do you also have these spur of the moment crazy ideas that you evaluate and reject or? Short answer. Or, I do. Courtney always says, that's fucking stupid. And then I just don't do it. Apart from buy the domain. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll buy the domain. Then I'll tell her the idea. And she goes, that's fucking stupid. And I go, why? And she goes, because of this. And I go, oh yeah, it's a good point. And then I, I generally always, she's always right. <laughs> the other, the other one I've got that I am going to build myself because I'm getting sick of it now. So where I live in Southeast London, uh, I'm quite lucky because I've got the benefit of four different train lines to get into central London. Right. And if I'm, most of my clients are in central London. So generally not the Soho area. So I've got quite a few different routes I can get home. And anyway, I've been playing around with, um, for a few weeks now, I've been playing around with uh, uh, National Rail SOAP APIs, which are utter joy to work with. But basically I want, I've been trying to build an app that um, I can say which station I'm departing from. Oh no, no, so, sorry, no, I, I don't even do that. No, it just tells me the basically the next train's home from multiple stations. So, this is so, so weird. I exact, I wanted to make this exact app a year ago. So, so if I get the Jubilee Underground line, I can either get off at London Bridge or I can get off at Canada Water. Now, if I'm on the Jubilee line and let's say I've got on a Green Park, I know that it takes about, let's say, 10 minutes to get to London Bridge and it's about 14 minutes or 15 minutes to, um, uh, to Canada Water mm. from Green Park. I also know how long, because I've done it so many times, I know how long it takes to walk through the stations as well. Right. Um, so therefore, 
if I'm getting on Green Park and it takes me 10 minutes to get to London Bridge and it takes me another eight minutes to get above ground and onto a platform, I could potentially make a train in about 18 minutes time. Right. But I also know that I could also make a train in about 25 minutes time for Canada Water. Anyway, my point being is that I just want an app that will just show me the route, my routes home, my specific routes home, but from multiple stations. And the problem is like, if you use TFL or um, City Mapper, it's it's too specific because it includes things like buses. So if I put in my postcode from my client's office, I it will tell me that I need to walk for 10 minutes and then get the bus and then get, or, or then I get the tube, then get the train, then I get a bus right to, you know, whatever bus stop is closest to my house. I don't want that. I don't care about that. I know how long it takes to walk from the train station back home. I just want to know what all of my options are. So then if I'm still on Oxford Street, I know which, you know, if I go Oxford Street one way or towards Tottenham Court Road or towards Charing Cross or towards Green Park or whatever it might be, I can make that decision then and there. But basically I just want something that combines multiple routes into one interface. And I haven't got domain yet, but I've decided to call it many routes. (laughs) Does Google Maps do this? That's not quite what I want. I... I want to be able to make it in my own time there. So if I walk into, if I'm walking from Soho to Green Park, then there's a ton of shops I might want to pop into on the way there. So I just want to know when the next train is. I don't actually want it to tell me the directions or or how long it takes to walk from A to B because I know that in my head because I've done it. Well, you just want to know what just, train's coming up at the Overground Station. Yeah, I just want to, I just want a screen that shows me all of the options from all of the possible stations that I can get a train from, and then it, I can just in my head just filter them out. Right. So, so I, I don't even need the app to do any filtering for me. I can do that. My, I can do that myself because I know how long it takes me to walk from A to B, whatever A to B might be. I just want to know all my options in one interface. Because what I do at the minute is, let's say I'm back on the Jubilee line from Green Park on the way to London Bridge. I'll normally forget about forget to do this before I get on the underground. And then rapidly be hoping I can get Wi-Fi. So let's say I get <laughs> Wi-Fi. Let's say I finally get Wi-Fi at Waterloo. I then need to open the National Rail app, get all the train times in London Bridge. Then I get all the train times, hopefully in the same one minute period of time I get whilst before the train moves on to whatever the next station is. Get all the train times at Google Maps, uh, for Canada Water, screenshotted them. And then I'm flicking between the two, trying to work out, okay, well, if I get off at London Bridge, it's going to take me eight minutes to get above ground. And then I could get that train or I could stay on and I've oh, got I like a two minute saying. wind. That's, yeah, that's, so that's right, what you, right, your scenario is that you actually have potential for two overground stations. Exactly. So, oh, right. but, but also, but, but if I'm, if I'm, if I'm just leaving the client's office though, I've got actually four different options. So again, I, I just I just want the information there. I could do the filtering myself without Google Maps telling me that it takes me seven minutes to walk somewhere. I just want to know all of my options without having to me look at individual options and me doing the having to do the comparisons by flicking between screenshots of my in the photos app. Ninety nine p in the app store. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I'd buy it. Um, the other one I want, whilst we're talking about it, is because I've got an Amazon Echo. And Amazon Echoes, you can now send push notifications to them. What I want, or it, actually it doesn't even need to be the Echo, it could just be a push notification onto my phone. Basically, I want an app whereby I can say that I get this particular train route between the, I get this particular train route, or let's say, let's say I get the 25 to 9 train in the morning mm. from whichever station to whichever station. I want an app that will tell, that will start monitoring it form or monitoring that route and between let's say half six in the morning up until it makes an assumption that I've got the trade unless I've told it otherwise 
I want it to tell me about any delays so that if I'm, so, so if I get the 25 to nine train, I normally leave the house at 10 past eight. I want to know all the way up to 10 past eight, whether or not it's delayed, because if it's delayed, I don't have to leave the house That's for another smart, five minutes yeah. or so. Because otherwise you so sit on the platform. Yeah. Yeah. Smart. Or, or, or it's been canceled like this. So today I left that, I left my client's office at half five. I, went, I knew I had a 14 minute window to go and get the train from Charing Cross. I then got to the station with a couple of minutes to spare. They then cancelled the train on me. <laughs> I then caught the next train. Which was packed. And then they were, which was packed, of course, because <laughs> the previous train had been cancelled. I then, we then pulled out of Charing Cross. Then we sat for 10 minutes on the bridge outside Charing Cross because it turns out near my station, there were, um, for the fourth day in a row, there was a signal failure and someone was taken sick at the train station before. Oh, just, whereas in that time, if I'd known that from this mythical app that I want to build, I could have just got on the, I could have got on the underground at Charing Cross, made it through to London Bridge or Waterloo and just whatever. I feel that you need to join I, the remote renegades because like both of these apps have revolved around commuting issues. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Seems to really stress you out. <laughs> I'm getting angry just sat here talking. <laughs> Fucking <That's> TFL. <laughs> Ash has already had this once when I got home. <laughs> Is that why now, you're back now. late tonight? <laughs> yeah. Some fucking signalman fell asleep or something. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> you're right. I'm, I've decided I'm going to work from home tomorrow because yeah. I don't need to, there's no reason for me to be in the client's office. So I'm going to work from home tomorrow. So at least I can not have to get delayed by the fucking trains again. Yeah. And it's a Friday. It, it'd be fine. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So, yeah. Um, Cool. Okay. So you have as many crazy ideas as I have. Yeah. Oh, talking to domain names. I've had a great way of buying domain names and feeling less guilty. Oh, go on. So I've been buying more and more of my domain to AWS mm. and AWS keeps sending me surveys. And every time I fill out a survey, I get a hundred dollar credit. So these domain <laughs> names aren't, <laughs> these domain names, and I've bought about nine since we last talked about it, haven't cost me a penny. How does that work? Can you buy all sorts of domains for them as well? Yeah, they, they back off to, I think they use Gandhi.net right. underneath. So anything that Gandhi.net sells, you can buy through AWS. That's great. So what, you get credit for uh, AWS services? Yep. And it just applies to your account. And yeah, so as I said, I've bought, I, I think I bought eight or nine domain names, domain names now for one idea. <laughs> that's, that's brilliant. Um, I, I mean, my, my uh, video company domain names are getting to about six or seven now. Um, are you in a Are you in a position yet to announce what your company's called? Yeah, it's going to be called uh, the Little Video Co. Uh, or just Little Video Co. Um, basically, the idea is because it's targeting small to medium business. So A, it's got to be approachable and it's got to sound a little bit fun because the tagline is going to be uh, business videos with an edge. So it's going to be business videos with an edge. Basically, there's like with an edge of humour to them because there's so many dry, boring videos out there. And no one wants that. So... That's the idea. Little Video Co. Uh, got the branding coming through this week as well from a friend who's fantastic at branding. So I'm really, uh, really excited about that. Um, and I've got a few commissions that I'm hoping will come through. But it's really hard for me until I've got a brand. I really don't want to. Uh, I don't want to make a big deal about anything to potential clients until I've got a brand because I feel like it's so important. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So how how did you come up with the name? My friend runs a creative agency in Leon City because I used to work there. 
um, and they're very, they're pretty much just a branding agency. They're so good at it. And it's particularly him. He's very good. at it. He's director there. Um, and I can't say too much about the situation, but we was, we was having coffee and, um, I come up with some names and he said, let me have a think about some names. He said, and I'll come back to you. He said, because often the problem that we've got as a branding agency is that people come to us with a name in mind and they want to use it, but it's often the wrong name for the market that they want to attack. Um, so he come back to me basically with the name and I was like, I really like it. And he said, just buy the domain names as much as, uh, as quick as possible. So there was me, I was away, mate. I've got littlevideo.co. I've got the littlevideo.co.co.uk. I've got loads. I've got littlevideo.tv. I've got them all. Um, uh, so yeah, he's basically finishing the branding this week for me. So hopefully it'll all, all be good. That's awesome. And, and did you say, sorry, you've already got some potential leads I have, yeah. So uh, the same guy has introduced me to some people that he knows that, or clients of his that actually want video stuff done. Um, so they're not the most exciting projects, but it's a good challenge because it's like trying to make the video about that company that's not so exciting, actually make it quite interesting. Uh, and to be honest with you, I just want to build up as much in the portfolio as possible. So I'm, I'm going to work for next to nothing for a lot of this stuff initially, uh, just so that I can get something under my belt. Um, which is really cool. I, I'm excited about it because uh, I've got about three or four grand worth of equipment to, to buy at some point. Um, so <laughs> got to start saving. Yeah. How about you? You've sent me some um, potential logos for your new Amazon AWS training platform. I'm very excited to hear your progress because uh, you've been iMoving and everything, haven't you? Yeah. So I... So I, I mentioned an episode or two ago that my I abandoned my book idea and decided to essentially make like Lara casts for, uh, for AWS and a bit like you, I, I, I get, I get really hung up on the name of something. And it, I, for me, at least it's a, it's a barrier for me actually being able to properly focus on the project until I've got a good name behind it. it Naming's really hard. It is, but branding's important, isn't it? It is. It is. So my solution to this, because I, I really couldn't come up with a name I liked. Um, I found a website called namestation.com. Okay. And on there, you can hold public, co- or you can hold naming contests. And it was $35 for um, name suggestions. And, I, and I, you, got, you, get, you can set some parameters. So I said the .com had to be available. And I said, it has to have, these are some keywords, which I like the name of. Uh, or, or I like, and it can't include these keywords. And I got, so for $35, I got 267.com suggestions. Wow. Of which I filtered it down to about five. And from that, I filtered it down to two. And the one that I've gone with is called stackleap.com. Very nice. And there's two things I like about that. One, the word stack, well-known name in the industry for your architecture. It's also not specific to any one provider. Yeah. Um, Cause I'm actually thinking as well as doing AWS. Um, you've got Google I know, App Engine, you've got a lot of others potentially there. Yeah. I, and I know um, uh, Cloudflare really well. Okay. Um, and, I, and I've used Cloudflare's enterprise suite quite a bit with some previous clients. So I know that quite well. So I'm actually debating doing some videos for with AWS and Cloudflare. Yeah. Um, I also like the word leap because um, it, it suggests moving forward. Yeah. So anyway, I've come up with a cool little logo, which is uh, an astronaut uh, leaping over some some servers. 
Yes. Which is that whole like one giant leap for mankind, etc. thing. So, um, yeah, so I've got a logo, I've got a name, which I'm really happy with both of them. And then I've not done any more branding because I know I it'll be so easy for me to come up with a really nice website, a really cool application that lets you watch videos and track your progress and <laughs> does, do quizzes and such. And there'll be no content on it. So outside of the branding, I've not done any design work um, or any any design work to do with a website at all. Um, the most I've done is I've set up stackleap.com to redirect to a, um, a MailChimp form. So listener, if you're interested in learning a bit more about Amazon Web Services, um, then please do sign up to the, uh, please go to stackleap.com and sign up. Um, I'm going to sign up right now. I'm going to put, okay. what confuses you the most about AWS? I'm going to put, why... Uh, I can't see my keyboard with this bloody microphone. Why do they name things so oddly? Question mark. <laughs> there we go. There's a, there's a website actually that someone else has made called AWS in plain English. All right. And it's say like, so AWS route 53, AKA Amazon DNS. Yeah, that's what it should, it just should be that. Nice and simple. I know what it is then. Yeah, I guess I guess I guess Jeff Bezos just really likes his brand names. Yeah. Oh, and the, yeah, and uh, here we are. So, what was that website that you used to actually create the name? So, namestation.com. Namestation.com. Right. You've officially bankrupted half our audience because <laughs> I'm pretty sure we all have so many ideas oh. that we'll just spend money on that. So, so as I said, I was so I was really surprised at how many names I got. I, I like as I said. Of, I rejected like 260 of them straight away because basically as they come in, you can, you can say, don't like it, love it, or completely reject this because it's not even remotely relevant. And you can kind of give feedback and you can update the, the contests. The, the other thing was the contest was private until I finalized it and, and chose the final, the final answer. Right. Um, but yeah, but because someone else has come up with a name for it, I got so many suggestions that like I would never have come up with Stack Leap by myself, but I love it. Um, I got, yeah, I got lots of really good suggestions. I picked up one or two domain, other domains that I really like. Like I got um, screencoder.com. Oh yeah. Uh, which I thought might make quite a nice little website one day for another side project I never do. But anyway, I quite like the name. So I'm just going to sit on that and be one of those domain hordes or whores even. Um, yeah, well, that's what we're best at, mate. So anyway, so picked that. I didn't, someone else came up with a cool name for me. I got the .com. I got the Twitter handle. Um, yeah, so. So you're, um, you're ready to roll with your brand. Yeah, so I did that. And then what did I do next? Oh, that was it. I came with a, I, I recorded a little video and sent you a little video. Yeah, I was, I loved it. So one, I think it was a Saturday afternoon. I sat down and I had a go at trying to record a screencast and I really, in my, in my head, it's just, oh, it's so easy. Like I know all the steps. I know how to describe things. And I must've recorded this five times. And I finally concluded that I actually can't stand, even though I will happily sit in pair program with someone, it's really hard to, to click around on a screen and talk to an audience who isn't next to you or in front of you and try and be eloquent and explain everything, but not in you know, using necessary terms or, well, yeah, or terms. I, like, I learned a lot of things in your video and I can imagine you starting that video out and you'll reference things that then you realise once you've referenced it, oh, but my audience might not know about that yet. 
Exactly. And then you think, oh, and shit, I've got to start the video again. And this is actually the problem I had with my book because because AWS covers, or like just to use EC2 for virtual servers, covers about five or six other services. It was so difficult when I was writing the book to like constantly dive in and out of different serv- uh, like tertiary services just to try and do one particular thing. Uh, whereas in a video form, it's been so much easier to... Um, point things out or say, oh, if you want to learn more about this, then check out this lesson on X, Y, Z. So anyway, so I found the, the, the method that works best for me is I just record the screencast without audio and um, then I'm, re- I'm retrospectively recording the audio from a script right. because I found I don't, bl- I don't blabber as much then. I could be a bit more eloquent in my words. I'm not umming and ahhing. I can get a, I can get an audio setup that works really nicely and I'm comfortable with and I'm not sat like trying to peer at my keyboard over the microphone like I am now. Um, and then I've been putting together um, some scripts. So whilst I was traveling, being on a 13 hour flight is really convenient for, for working. Um, so I took my iPad with me and I'm currently got 62 draft or finished scripts. Wow. I've written. Um that's a lot. Uh, yeah, and I, I, what I've kind of done is I've tagged uh, in my in my head the the, the website's going to be um, fundamentals. So so like EC two fundamentals or Route fifty three fundamentals or whatever, and then solutions. So fundamentals will just focus on one service, whereas solutions will be a combination of different services. So it might be how to set up a really basic WordPress instance or how to set up an auto-scaling self-healing um you know tech crunch proof wordpress instance um and those two videos will cover different services in different ways and with different um levels of technical knowledge required i think that's, AWS that's required. really smart isn't it because like unless you go through them fundamentals videos as well you might not necessarily know what like I, I'm, the, I'm the sort of person that I, I was like, right, okay, I need to, I need to scale this site. I fucking hate that word. Everyone use that word. So I need a load balancer. How do I do that? And your solutions thing would cover that, then, wouldn't it? That I could just go on and you'd be like, okay, how to scale a website with an Amazon load balancer, blah, blah blah. And then you'd explain all of the different services that I'd need to understand how to do it to do that. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. That's the intention. And what I'm going to do is. Um... In the, I'm just looking through the, the list of solutions lessons at the minute. So I've got um, the two WordPress sites I mentioned, um, how to set up a Laravel site, how to set up a Drupal site, how to set up a WordPress site, how to set up a, uh, that's not even the right word, how to set up a Ruby, a Rails site, etc. So kind of covering lots of different bases. They'll, they'll all be similar formats, but people will Google for different things. Yeah, they're your inbound so, marketing captures, isn't they? Exactly. I've got to think, think about SEO here. Um, but then I've, I've also been trying to think about how best to market this as well. And so there's some videos I think I'm going to release for free. So, but basically it's going to be a subscription website. Um, I'm not 
100% settled on the price yet, but I've got some ideas. But there's going to be some videos that are free that I think are general, that they're useful as marketing tools, but they're also things that I've got stuck with before. So for example, once I had an instance, I, I, I lost the SSH key, so I couldn't get in, but I did have access to the AWS console. So um, I'm going to put together a little five minute video on how to um, get into an instance when you've lost the SSH key. Ah, I've needed to do that uh, before and I just gave up. Yeah, so so little video like that that I can put into a blog form, or uh, again, I've not I've not quite worked it out in my head, but anyway, um, that's how I think I'm gonna market it. And yeah, I've put the, I've put this Mailchimp form up. Um, I've got people, a few people signed up there. Although this is the first time I've really publicly announced it. Um, I've also been privately talking to people and giving them access to a special Trello site or Trello board, and they've just been brain dumping for me things where they've got stuck or like, so they're actively using AWS currently and they've got stuck and they've just, I've asked them just to make a note or make a, t- a card in Trello mm-hmm. and just explain what it was you got stuck with what or what you didn't understand. So that's really useful. So I've been using that to um, build lesson ideas. So yeah, I feel so motivated about this in a way that I wasn't about my book because I just felt my book was get coming so overwhelming. Yeah. But th- th- but this has got like you've said before, this has got the potential to be a sustainable business. It's different. Yeah, and also I've got because there's just so many services. There's what almost a hundred AWS services. There's a wealth of potential videos out there. So um, I'm not going to get stuck. Well, oh, so so sorry, sorry. I'm not. It's not going to get stuck. I'm not going to get um, stuck for new ideas for new videos. No, and like you said, if you're going along with that Stack Leap brand, you could always then go along to Cloudflare or Google App Engine. Like it's, it, it doesn't matter who the provider is. Yeah, exactly. Um, and what 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 I actually like to do at some point is do a series of videos of how Stack Leap itself is um, uses AWS. Because what what I'd really like to do is set up pipelines. So once I re- once I render out a video um, into like a an MP4 file or whatever it might be. I then I want to build like a little method that I upload it to like an S3 bucket that get picked up. Then it uses um, Elastic Video Converter to convert it into like a mobile format and an iPad format and a desktop format and shove it into different places and update database records and things like that. So I want to do a series on like how StackLeap uses AWS to make StackLeap. Yeah, that's uh, super meta. Yeah, there's a really good talk that was done by a guy called Zach Holden, who used to work for GitHub, called "How GitHub Uses GitHub to Build GitHub," <laughs> and it's and it and it's awesome. It's like it's like it's it's a few years ago now, but it's such a good talk. I um, like that guy's blogs. He seems like I, I like people that come across super genuine, and he really does. Yeah, I I um I'd love to meet him one day and like buy him a drink because I've, I've learned quite a lot of him because he's got, he set because he did so many conference talks on behalf of GitHub. He set up a website called speaking.io. Right. And it's a, and it's a, it's a website all about public speaking and about how to put up your, how to put your slides together and like choose some nice fonts and how to build slides that aren't too overloaded with information, but also aren't too sparse. So the, you know, you're getting, the audience are getting bored just by listening to you versus the slides and things like that. Um, how to prepare for a conference, things like that. Um, yeah, I really like his blog and, you know, what he's done in the past. Yeah, I, I do find him interesting. He got fired, didn't he? 
Yeah, he got f- yeah, and he blogged about it. He was quite open about how he blogged about that. And, and yeah, sorry, even he was quite open about him being fired and how he didn't really have any animosity. And yeah, because that's the post know, that I read that I thought I actually really like this guy. Yeah, I think he's. I, I know he's working on something new, but I can't remember what, what it is off the top of my head. But uh, yeah, I, I'm really interested to see what he does next. Yeah, in, yeah, definitely. He seems. Uh... He seems like the sort of guy that uh, who's the guy who's the guy that created Forced. Do you remember that? He seems like the uh, like one of them Forced. sort of people. Forced. Oh, um, Kyle Bragger, I think. Kyle Bragger, that's it. Yeah, it's like them bunch of people that sort of seem to just jump from one project to the next. And it's always a success. <laughs> yeah, I remember meeting Kevin Rose. Uh, do you remember him? Did, Did you, you meet you him? On... Yeah, I met him at a conference donkish years ago when, when Dick I first was big. Him. When Dig was big, and he was such a knob, was he? But oh, he was so he was so rude to me because I asked him a question. Oh, I, I like I had a few minutes with him, like stood next to him at a bar, and I asked him a couple of questions. And I just he, he was just such a knob, but I've always admired him because he's been he's had he seems to have have had quite a lot of success and gone from project to project, and you know is now just a bazillionaire. I want see I, it's it's starting to all make sense. Every every success story is there's always like a dickhead behind it. Except James Dyson. What a lovely man. And he's going to start making electric cars, apparently. Yeah, I'm on the Dyson bandwagon, I think. I'm more than the Musk bandwagon. I heard he works his people to death. Um, well, one thing I have realised is, going through all this, is actually how I, I, I'm starting to appreciate more and more how people can find it so um, overwhelming. Like one of it, so one of the number one things that people have put in this um, question box on the Stackley mailing uh, mailing list sign up because uh, I asked them what thing confuses you, you the most and the number one thing has been how billing works and I've got three scripts that I've written so hang on so I've got three videos I'm going to be recording mm. just on EC2 pricing how EC2 pricing works the first one is explaining all the different options and Ulysses reckons that it is an eight minute script I, episode, uh, video two is three examples that explain a couple of different, um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a couple of different examples of showing how the pricing from the pr- current video, how you can combine it to actually work it out in a real scenario. And then the third one is all about reducing your costs. Right. And so all in all, that's 26 minutes of video. At least, or that's just what Ulysses is telling me. The how long it would take to read out all of that out. Yeah, and that like to exp- have twenty six minutes to explain just the pricing alone. And then okay, I've got another. <laughs> I've got another one here explaining regions and availability zones. That's seven minutes. And another one of the instance types, which is seven minutes thirty two. Storage, so your disk storage, so SSDs. SSDs with provision IOPS, magnetic storage, or old school hard drives. 12 minutes. Wow. <laughs> Obviously, I'm trying to make them as interesting as possible. And there'll be lot there'll be visually there'll be things visually on screen to make my dulcet tones more palatable. <laughs> but um I, I am increasingly more and more coming to understand how people can find it so overwhelming to get started with AWS. And as a, and that in turn is making me feel more and more confident that this is the right thing to be doing. It is, mate. Even instance types, I couldn't tell you how they work, what the difference is. Yeah, exactly. So, so 
yeah, I, I, I feel so comfortable and confident about this. I just wish I had more time in my day that I could spend more time writing scripts and recording screencasts, actually putting together some final videos. Yeah. Um, well, you're building up a mailing list, which is great. Yeah, uh, realistically, I don't think I'm going to have something ready to put out there on for sale this side of Christmas. What I am hoping, though, is I can get a core group set of videos together that I can then put out like a, as a, like a private beta. Um, to show, cause I, oh, I've got a couple of people who have already agreed to like have a look at the videos and I'm hoping you will too and such and give me some feedback but I, I, I want to get maybe 10 or 20 videos together mm-hmm. um, that cover a core group of topics that are a good example of what the site's going to be about. And hopefully that will, um, yeah, spur me on to maybe take some time off from consulting and just maybe, you know, the odd week here and there to really focus on um, getting this up to the point where I can start making some income from it. Because as soon as I can start making some income from it, the less time I need to spend contracting. I genuinely think that this will be your full-time job within a year and a half. That's what I'd love. And I, I've got a magic number in my head, which I'm hoping I can get to at some point reveal where I've decided if I meet, it's significantly less than I earn now in contracting. But if I can reach this number, I've decided I'm going to stop contracting and focus on this site 100%. So that's what's spurring me on right now. <sighs> How exciting. Yeah, and it was exciting for you as well. Like, I know how passionate you are about your video work. So if you can transition away from coding to making videos for people. It's going to be cool, man. I think, yeah, yeah, it's just about doing what you enjoy. And you've, like, you've said to me for some time now that you love the DevOps stuff. And, like, what better way to get involved with that than to, like, every day be teaching people how to do it and stuff. And and the good thing is, You'll seen you'll be seen as such an authority on the subject that if you ever did want a contract or you could take you could take on contracting gigs or like for DevOps stuff at ridiculous rates if you fancied it just because you've got such a name for yourself. Uh, well, whilst that appeals increasing more and more, I'm thinking to myself actually what I, I think I'd rather do is rather because uh, I'm really it's not that I'm sick of going into other people's businesses and working on their stuff instead of my stuff. It's that I just don't want to just I'm getting more and more like less enamored with it. I, I, I really want to be doing my own thing. What I actually really want to do is I, lo- I love the idea of like renting a room in central London that's got a whole load of desks and Wi-Fi, and actually doing in-person training. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I, yeah, what, what I'd actually love to do is that we want to get their staff trained. Yeah. I've got, I've got a friend who's a JavaScript developer. Um, he, he set up a blog years ago and he's just become a bit of an authority on JavaScript, but he now, hires out a room for let's say 150 quid or 200 quid for the day and then we'll get fill it with 20 people all paying 500 or 700 pounds for a day's training <laughs> and that's his and month done <laughs> that's his month done and he but he's such an authority on the subject that you know I, i'd love to be in that position um yeah well this will do yeah it. yeah yeah so yeah, I, I think I think we've got some exciting times ahead of us. Yeah, definitely. I think after Christmas we'll start to see some uh, start to see some real progress. Well, that's it for this week. 
if you've got any comments, ideas, thoughts, feedbacks, questions, uh, please do email us at feedback at codingsolo.works. Um, you can find the show notes for this episode at codingsolo.works. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Alex Bilby, and my blog is alexbilby.com. And you can find David at... Uh, where can you find you out these days? You can't find me anywhere. I'm like a social enigma, mate. I've stopped using Twitter. I don't have Facebook. I don't have LinkedIn. So more on that in a future episode. But if you did really want to find me and tell me that you really don't like the way I talk and the amount of swear words that I use, you could probably come on the Laravel UK Slack channel and uh, tell me off there. So yeah. <laughs> well, there we are. Um, cool. Speak to you next week, David. Cheers. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Alex here. If you've been inspired by what you've heard so far on this podcast and want to speak to some experts who can help you get started, or you're looking to move away from your Luddite accountant who insists on you keeping seven years worth of paper receipts, then check out Crunch. As you'll have heard on previous episodes, Crunch have been with me since day one and I can't recommend them enough. Just head to crunch.co.uk or click the link in the show notes and give them a call. Tell them the Coding Solo podcast sent you and you'll get a £25 Amazon voucher when you sign up.